everyone, Louis from Kick the Jukebox here. Just wanted to let you know that what you're listening to is the podcast version of Kick the Jukebox with shorter music clips. If you want to listen to the whole shebang, visit our show page at kpiss.fm. That's K-P-I-S-S dot F-M. Okay, thanks for listening, and bombs away! Kick the Jukebox is so much fun. Kyle and Louie are number one. Kicking a rhyme, talking about music all the time. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kick the Jukebox. I'm Louis Perlman. And I'm Kyle Gordon. And we have a very, very special guest at kpiss.fm today in the podcast RV. We have the host of the podcast, Eat, Pray, Judge. And he's also a story pirate with me and Kyle. Let's give it up for Gabe Pacheco. I, 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 lo- I love the one-handed applause, man. It's so great. Yeah, the table applause. <laughs> it's great to be here in the RV. Yeah. Yeah, here we are all together. So how are we all doing? The infamous this... RV. You probably know it from Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very Instagrammable RV. Oh, yeah. Exactly. There's a taxidermied raccoon in the corner. There's a giant Garfield clock, There's, which is new. Which is new. Yeah, beautiful giant Garfield clock. I actually the, love it. It's like classic alarm clock style. Yes, classic alarm clock. It's very your aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love it. I'm every loving it. I see that, I want some lasagna. <laughs> yeah, every you time I it. see it, I want a male normal to Abu Dhabi. <laughs> not, not, not to get too far off track, but did you hear about all those uh, that beach in France where uh, yes. old Garfield phones constantly have been washing up on shore for the past twenty years because of, uh, or thirty years because a boat carrying like fifty thousand Garfield phones sunk and uh. they've been washing ashore and this beach in France for like thirty years. Oh my God! A Chinese shipwreck. <laughs> yeah, it's basically it's basically a Garfield phone environmental disaster, which is insane. As far as environmental disasters go, it's pretty great. It's a cu- I mean, it's a cute environmental disaster. Oh yeah, right. But yeah, as far as as far as they go, it's pretty great. Well, this is all good, <laughs> but we're not here to talk about Garfield phones. Uh, just want to say, you know, it's been a great two weeks for mm. me. Mm. Um, I've been prepping the most ambitious artistic project <laughs> of my entire life, which is a reading of a musical that I wrote. And I'm very excited. I'm going to be there seeing it tomorrow. Yeah, both you boys are coming tomorrow, which I is bought, so nice. I bought tickets. I have a friend from Amsterdam who is also going to come with me. Woo! Oh, my so God. I'm getting you international exposure. I hope your friend <laughs> from Amsterdam has a lot of money to spend on a future production of this show. Cause that's... Let's take this to Europe, baby. <laughs> yeah, I want to take this show right to Amsterdam. Yeah, so... The score for this show is over 200 pages. Really? Yeah, it's complete insanity. I didn't realize that we had written something so so insane and big. So good. I well, I hope it's good. I hope it. I hope it reads for people. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a 60s bubblegum rock musical with a whole bunch of new original songs written by me and my um collaborator Joel. Uh, so I'm excited about it. But you know, it's like shows like this, podcasts like this that I do, um rehearsals i've had just to remind me that like this isn't the be all end all of my life like this <laughs> reading which has actually been really good for me so i just want to say that it's nice to be here with you guys hey. chill out a little bit before the madness that will be tomorrow for me yeah this is, we're here to keep you uh keep you grounded yeah you know of all the people in my life kyle you really keep me grounded yeah i'm just a normal boy yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> oh i love it 
Uh, yeah. What about what has been going on with you guys? Love to hear a little bit before we move on. Um, I uh, oh um, the there's something really big. The other day I was on the train going home and I saw these people getting in a like almost getting in a fight. Oh great! And this woman was screaming at this guy. And then uh, she, I wasn't sure what they were fighting about. It was just kind of general, like, fuck you, blah, 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 blah. And then she was like, fuck you, why'd you say I farted? Oh. <laughs> she was really mad that uh, he had accused her on the train of farting. So that they was- They were strangers, the- but- that they were strangers. Yeah, yeah. And and he, she was like, "You don't know me. I didn't fart." Oh my god. She so probably pretty, farted. Yeah, she, she totally did. Yeah, because if only somebody who did it is gonna be that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were like, they were like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There were so many people on the train, and he was pretty. He, I think he was like, "Man, it stinks in here." And she was just like, "Hey, I didn't fart." <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah, definitely triggering some aspects of her core identity right oh, there. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I'm not the stinky. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't yeah, think I've ever. She, yeah, she was like ready to. She was like ready to throw down. <laughs> I don't think I've ever told this story on Kick the Jukebox before, but it's a very Kick the Jukeboxy story. I was at a Hanson show once with my friend Joanna, who's Great start. the best, and her and her husband Peter, and we were standing in front of these people. And I'm sure it was only one of them, but it was these two women, and I nicknamed them the Fart Sisters, because just for the whole Hanson show, it was just farts, 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 24-7 farts. Just, and then, yeah, pulled pork sandwich farts. Yeah, yes. it was like, yes. what did you eat before coming to see Hanson, and are you feeling okay? Well, like, I am sitting here with a ham and cheese torta inside this very small space, so I may be the fart boy of... Uh, oh! Hey, we'll but see. Right now, it smells very much like Zacatecas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm really enjoying yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the feeling that I'm abroad right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, Amen. enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll decide at the end of the episode whether you're the fart boy or not. Hey, that that'll be the uh, that'll be the uh, you know the uh, runner throughout the show. We'll see. <laughs> that'll be it, it, if it's resolved by the end. And uh, on that note, I want to talk about a song that I've been listening to for years. This is not this is not a song just for this week. This is a song for my life. It's called Where Evil Grows. It's by a group called the Poppy Family. <laughs> We're going to start with it today. I want to play a little bit of it for you and then I want to talk a little bit about it. Uh, here we go. Where Evil Grows from the Poppy Family. So uh, that's where evil grows by the Poppy family. <laughs> All that's right, great. Yeah. So um, I think this is an interesting one. Uh, you know, they've been classified as psych. Mm, These yeah. guys, they've been classified as pop, sunshine pop, maybe. Well, uh, that's why it's so funny because it sounds. It sounds. Like, it, yeah, it would be kind of like sunshiny, late 60s poppy, but it's like a creepy song. They're so fucking <laughs> creepy, these guys. They're like... You know what, though? When you say sunshine pop, anything where there's sunlight, there's also shadows. Oh, hey. Very, very so, profound, Gabe. I think Gabe wrote the liner notes yeah. for the... <laughs> <laughs> we, all, we all reflect light and cast shadows, so... Hey, uh, you know? Come on now. 
Yeah, that, <laughs> this is this, this is, is true. Pop with fangs. Yeah, yeah, that's very yeah. true. It is. It is. There's a real uh, sort of slimy underbelly to this song, yeah, and and but not sleazy. No, yeah. no, it's not slimy, sleazy. not sleazy. Yeah, slimy but not sleazy. There's uh, there's a lot about it. I mean, one of the things that I think lends to sort of the creepiness of it is I think just like I I think that the the recording techniques or at least the preservation of the recording over the years, there's like a real tape hiss over this song mm. that is so kind of gives it this film. Um, and then of course there's Terry Jacks and Susan Jacks's yeah. uh, uh, vocals. So wait, the, uh, can you, well, okay. You, you want, you want a history? Yeah. Give me a history. So, well, for those who don't know, Terry Jacks, I only know him as singing the, Talk about sunshine pops, seasons in the sun. Yeah, we which is also joy, creepy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has seasons really, in the sun. Really creepy song. That song yeah. is about a dying guy. Huh? Yeah, you know. Well, you know what? I liked songs that embrace mortality. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that were sort of, you know, the United States culture kind of glo- and this is Canadian, so maybe. Yeah. I wonder, is there more fatalism in Canada, or is there an equal amount of death denying? I <laughs> I feel like there is. Definitely an undercurrent of fatalism in Canadian culture that is not talked about. That, you know, Canada's actually kind of a hard place to live weather wise, and there's uh, isolating factors to living in Canada. Uh, even when you're living in a city, just because of the way Canada is so spread out and the darkness, the darkness in the winter times. And I think that, like, there is sort of an undercurrent of Canadian culture that explores that. And uh, I'd put the Poppy family in that category for sure. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I can, I can, I, I'm grooving with what they're saying. There's also a Catholicism to it as well. Yes, you know, totally. Which, which, I, which I, I vibe with this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, that the, the core of the problem is in us, not in some external uh, enemy that we have to face. Mm-hmm. But that mm-hmm. it is, the, the, the evil's right here. The evil mm-hmm. grows in you. That's right. Ab- absolutely. And it it's scary. others, you know? So uh, <laughs> evil can be viral. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's scary. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very scary. Yeah. So, so this band was. Um, uh, a husband-wife team, Terry Jacks and Susan Jacks. Susan Jacks was a Canadian, like, teen TV music performer. Mm. Terry Jacks was just, like, a singer-songwriter dude. They hooked up. They formed this band. Then they had a guy named Craig McCaw on guitars and sitar. And then a dude um, named Sawit Singh on uh, uh, drums and tablas. Uh, but... I think that by the time this song was recorded, those other two dudes that weren't the Jacks, uh, the Jacks couple, think that they had been kicked out of the band, and this was session musicians. Uh, and I think that that you know Terry Jacks was one of these guys. somewhat controlling, this somewhat controlling dude. Hmm. Uh, but the thing about them and a lot of their stuff, uh, it deals with like themes of isolation, as I said before. It deals with themes of duality and man, which is interesting for like seventies almost like Carpenters-esque pop. You know, there's certainly right. a similarity to that. But I also feel like these guys sound like they are cult members. Oh, yeah. I think they, they're really creepy and they sound like they're going to convert you to something. Well, when we think about the psychedelic 60s, like this idea that you take LSD and it's all peace and love. Yeah. But uh, really, a lot of it, too, is just exercising all of these other uh, repressed uh, vibes and feelings and emotions that... 
you know that generation hadn't really confronted yet. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, totally. And wh- when did this come out? Do you know, I think it came out 69, 68, 69. Yeah, so we're getting into Manson era. Psychedelic stuff's kind of ending. Mm-hmm. Shit's getting a little <laughs> creepier. Yeah. Hippies aren't like pe- pe- people are a little they they they're fucking shit up and. Uh, there's there's a little bit of violence going on in that scene, so yeah. That, well, that that's sort of the thing about the the hippie era is the hippie era was only this utopic place for like a very small yeah, segment of the like population. Yeah, for like a summer. Yeah, and for a summer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm yeah. reading a book right now. Uh, I think it's uh, the girls, and it's um it's a novel. It's a novelization of a fictitious Manson family oh nice it's about the manson it's emma klein and it's about the manson murders but Uh. it's like it gives them a different name yeah and it's and it's a sympathetic portrayal of what it would be like as a teenage girl right who's lonely yeah to to be drawn like a moth to that flame right wow that's interesting you know yeah yeah totally how do you get sucked in yeah and and that's like a perfect example of like when you are like you know 67 68 summer love like and you, you, all the, a lot of these people are like really damaged, and it's hard to tell the difference between the Mansons and the, you know, peace, love, hate, Ashbury thing. So very much so, it's a fine, fine line. And yeah. I mean, and to that respect, you know, uh, Terry Jacks was a fairly dark songwriter, but did not have any uh, evil inclinations. You know, we had joy, we had fun, <laughs> we had seasons yeah, in the I think, sun. I think you need to re-listen to that, Kyle, because it's really <laughs> nope, sad. That, those are the only lyrics I care to remember it's, at this moment. It's sad and morose. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye to you, my trusted friend. I've known you since we were nine or ten. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but um, We had seasons in the sun. Yes, yeah, seasons in the sun. Yes. But, um, yeah, uh, they ended up splitting up. Susan's still a performer. Terry became a, a environmentalist. Hey, yeah, you know, on. so he wasn't such a bad dude. And uh, to my knowledge, I don't know if he's actually still alive. I should have done my research onto that. Um, but I know that he's retired in the Vancouver area and had a boat named Seasons in the Sun. 75 years old. He's still alive. Oh, Terry. I'd love to actually Woo-hoo! see him play sometime. I don't think he plays out anymore. It would be really fun to see him play. He's a really interesting songwriter. We'll just get just get out on that boat. Yeah, I should uh, go out to the Couve and be like, Yo, if anyone Terry. was, if if I was gonna hear that anyone just left New York and was hanging out on Terry Jacks's boat, I think it would be you. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I feel like that'd be very <laughs> what on brand to Louis? for me. Yeah, he's just out at sea with Terry Jacks. Yeah, with Terry Jacks. Yeah, he's starting his own poppy family. Yeah, he's got exactly. some impressionable <laughs> yeah, young yeah. young women. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I love these cults, and they weren't all bad. I mean, it's just people were it, uh, the the sixties felt like a deconstructive period where they were like, here's a blank tabula rasa you take Mm. the drugs yeah and then uh in that space people downloaded all these new ideologies yes happened that some of them you know people took people got too extra with them (laughs) yeah Yeah. too far yeah but uh there's a great documentary called the source family Uh uh-huh about uh one of those cults that turned out to be not bad (laughs) oh (laughs) nice they started the first vegetarian restaurant in hollywood on the strip oh sweet and when you watch killing of a chinese bookie Ben Gazzara's character goes out of his strip club, and there it is, like right on the corner, is that the Source Cafe. Uh-huh. Mm. And another big one is uh, what other film is it in? It's in Annie Hall. When oh, Woody, is the Source in Annie Hall? Yeah, Woody Allen yeah. goes to LA. Mm-hmm. And I remember that scene. Eating at the Source Cafe, so all uh. of these celebrities got into uh, vegetarian and vegan diets because this cult 
decided to have all of its hot <laughs> female acolytes yeah, right, right, serving right. up quinoa and kale. <laughs> oh my god. Kale and quinoa 30 years before it's time. Now sounds it's all good. now sounds it's all to me. Eat. I can get on board with the source family. Also, <laughs> yeah, I can't me. remember what the name of the records are, but he uh, put out records oh, that um, amazing. that rock dudes love. They're they're limited edition, but they're part of I uh, may know what you're talking about. Yeah, and yeah. he he looked like a sky father. You yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the big white beard and the and the robes. Yeah. And they would play songs in the in the um in the uh, w- in high schools out west, like it's you don't have auditoriums. You've got like the outdoor space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you like would play high school band uh, <laughs> shows to recruit new young people. <laughs> anyway, Source Family. Yeah, get, oh, get on man. it. And speaking of another family, I'm gonna segue very awkwardly <laughs> into talking about <laughs> the Prince family. Woo! When that's not really correct, because well, yeah, the yeah, revolution. The revolution. And if there was any song that really highlights the family dynamic i think it's this one <laughs> yeah so are Gabe, you ready wendy you've been you've been listening to this i fell down a prince rabbit hole <laughs> our good friend joanna she recommended that uh i watch purple rain oh that's interesting it. oh. it's so good it is the best music video about <laughs> prince. It, <laughs> it took me it took me i a few viewings of purple rain to like connect with it i love it it was um for me it was seeing it after he passed there was a screening that week uh at IFC Center that I went to with some friends, mm-hmm. and that did it for me. It just really hit me. Oh, Gabe is doing really good Prince <laughs> oh, wow. mannerisms in the studio well, that no one can see. I'm yeah. less of a Prince fan and more of a Morris Day fan. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Morris Day's the shit. Yeah, a big Morris yeah. Day head. Dude, Morris and Jerome are my favorite. They're amazing. Oh, they're one of the best yeah. characters in all of... Uh, <laughs> Movies, <laughs> cinema history, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd watch a cartoon of them solving crimes. Yeah, yeah they're definitely my favorite characters in the Prince cinematic universe. After your yeah. musical, you have to do a bubblegum cartoon with Morris Day and Jerome. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, but that is something, uh, th- and this gets into the song, is that Prince created this entire kind of musical universe uh, for Purple Rain that ended up. It was just him writing so many songs and being so prolific that he sort of pawned them off on different bands and then yeah. created an entire drama around it for the movie when it was just all from inside Prince's head. I right. was going to say that Prince is kind of like the combination of the RZA and George Lucas. That's Ooh. really smart. Yeah, I love it. You know, and it actually ties into things we might talk about later today. Yeah, that's true. That's great segue. You know, because foreshadowing. We'll talk about this foreshadowing. now. I always want to talk about the album of the week at the top of the show, and then I always forget to. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like 18 minutes in now. The album of the week is A Prince Among Thieves, which is the Prince Paul record from 1990, I believe. Yeah, correct? Uh, 1999. Oh, I'm sorry. 1999. Yeah. 1999. Party like it's 1999. We're, so many we're connections. Ki- oh, my God. We're killing it. We must have improv training. <laughs> well, at least two of us do, because one of us is really slow today. His name is Louis Balls Perlman. Um, okay, so, uh, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, what, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to segue back to that. So Prince Among Thieves, 1999. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. That's what I wanted to say. But Computer Blue, let's listen to a little bit of it, and then we'll talk about it, because it is such a great track to bring in. Here's Computer Blue. Woo! Wendy? Yes, Lisa. Is the water warm enough? Yes, Lisa. Shall we begin? Yes, Lisa. 
That is Computer Blue by Prance. Uh, <laughs> so it's good. so jammy. So I mean, good. It's so jammy. It's Prince. I mean, come on. Uh, this is... This is not my favorite track from this album. Well, you know what? I'm going for the deep cuts, baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, my favorite track from this album is, um, uh, uh, oh no, I'm forgetting the title of it. Uh, it's, um, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to look it up, honeys. I'm going to look it up right it's, up. Oh, I think it's called Purple Rain. No. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I like Purple is Rain very much. Doves cry. No, it's not. It's, um. Uh, take take me with you. That's what yeah. it's called. I, take me with I you. I love take me with yeah, you. Yeah, I think it's song. so pretty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Why do you, are you drawn to this one? Well, it was so strange when I when I first because I worked in Johnny Rockets. I've been to skating <laughs> rinks. I've, I've gone to dances. I've heard all the Prince songs from this album, even if I hadn't heard them before in order. And this, when I watched the movie, I thought I love this. I love its very simple melody, that um, that sort of mechanical robot thing that's going on that feels cartoony and new wave. Mm, but then it. you also have his insane uh, lyrical delivery, <laughs> which is like this electro-funk yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Deli- performance that, that falls into screaming. So it's like yes. almost like this uh, noise rock, like punk rock yeah. uh, emotiveness that he's got with his vocals. With this really sharp, um, uh, almost t- almost like t- antiseptically poppy, right? Uh, jingle. Uh, so it's like this mix of like dirty and clean, totally. Mm-hmm. It's really or chaos and order. Yeah, that's really nice. Well, it's, yeah. Well, that's something about him at this era that I really appreciate. Is there's a lot of very. Uh, kind of aggressive and angular elements to Mm -hmm. what he was doing, which are clearly, you know, I wouldn't say, uh, you know, I wouldn't say inspired by New Wave because I don't even want to give like New Wave artists credit for like Mm -hmm. what he was doing. Uh, I feel like he was just synthesizing and absorb yeah utilizing he's just absorbing sort of every kind of musical idiom that existed at the time and and his his work is a little more of a fusion of so many different uh things going on at the time but you can really distill and especially in a song like this like that kind of like punk element you know totally his the like i thought of him when i close my eyes i visualized this sort of like sexual purple space amoeba yes amorphously (laughs) pulsating like in a lava lamp but then but it's surrounded by spaceships so like you know because those spaceships are the are the tempo and the and the rhythm and but then his voice is this like 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 it's so organic yeah i think he I would imagine he would have loved that description. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, he was because I think he thought of things like I mean he he's clearly one of those guys. I mean, you know uh, that, and we've kind of dealt with a few of these types of people in my show, like geniuses that have like the, a whole concept in their head, and the struggle for them is just to get it out there. You know what I mean? And they don't necessarily view it in ter- like. I don't think he built anything as he went along. I think he had this whole vision in his head, and it was just the struggle to get people to make it a reality. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so much of his albums, uh, he just played all the parts. Right. You know, and he plays all the parts on all the Morris Day in the Time songs. That's all just Prince, 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 Prince. Yeah. You know, and I think that 
people enjoyed working for him when they were playing live with him, but he certainly went through a lot of different musicians during his time. And there were different periods, touring band periods, you know? And it's, it's because I think he was so exact. Yeah. Yeah. It feels different than like other superstars, like a Madonna or a Michael Jackson that seem like they're co-opting and adopting whatever the latest fad is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas he was in, he was like, had that singular vision, like you said, Kyle. And he's just picking different people to like fit into it. Yeah, but his vision was had integrity. Right, throughout. and and he, people were definitely, and he's one of those people. I mean, you I mean it doesn't get more like he was setting the pace for like pop yeah. music. And I hear this, and it's speaking of like that synthesis of like kind of funk and um and like sort of new wavy elements. I hear like. Oingo Boingo, and I hear um, yeah the bouncy weird science the like you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. like I think like this like weird science would not exist if it wasn't for a song like this yeah yeah and and it's also because a lot of those new wave songwriters were uh, drawing from the same idioms as Prince you mm-hmm. know a lot of them were more influenced by soul and Motown right than uh, like critics at the time really picked up on mm. but I've always argued that. Uh, that like kind of the big Motown soul sound is as much a, of Oingo Boingo as like a Devo influence or like right. you know Danny Elfman's like fun Edward Gorey inspired you know yeah, uh, yeah like and that's I feel what they were all, all in there to, yeah yeah I grew up on yeah yeah that's what they all grew up on and and Prince um, just had a singular way to put it all into the blender that was his head right and then when we, but when we say the time like the fact that he wrote all their stuff too and. That's and Sheila that, E stuff yeah, and Vanity, Vanity Six. Six, yeah, Apollonia all the all, Six. all of it, yeah, yeah Apollonia Six, yes, <laughs> the fictional version of Vanity Six, yeah. But I love, like, <laughs> I love the time and I love their whole aesthetic and and the and that sort of um, how everybody can da- line dancing. It's like yeah. line dancing funk, <laughs> yeah, uh, and yeah, and so that is still his child. That's still coming out of his head, and so I I, I call that I, I say I like Prince's music because I like the time. But like it's different than his main, his main vein. Yeah, like and his capillaries and yeah, his totally. They are. They are. They were all his his children. Yeah, and they were all his creations. Uh, and then he definitely changed and explored a lot of other uh, idioms and sounds as he went through his career until his death. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff got really inaccessible you know (laughs) like a lot like last 10 years it's unless you're a major prince fan you're not gonna be like i love this yeah right like this was prince at his like pop accessibility zenith and then he didn't reach it after this well that's what's so interesting is that like he would use people like morris day in the time to be like i want to keep exploring this like electro funk that's like popular like yeah rick james was you know like i'm gonna use them to do the stuff that's really accessible and then on my main projects i'm gonna lose my fucking mind <laughs> like yeah you know that's I mean? true like the stuff i put my name on is gonna be insane and the more like day stuff that's like more a stat like stuff he's like it's established and like he know i think he knew more would like do well he also wrote Sinead O'Connor's uh yeah, yeah. and compares, compares to you, you. yeah yep. he was just throwing out these gems to, yeah like, yeah other artists like take that take yeah he that. co-wrote totally. Stand Back with Stevie Nicks as well yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. that's a whole story for another episode because that's all really fun <laughs> and we should t- I think we should revisit Prince I feel like there's a lot more to talk about oh yeah about him uh he's not 
Uh, I'm glad that you brought him in because I think that it's sort of opened a can of Prince for us. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm opening a pecanic Prince on. But, but I think Prince is is more than just a song of the week for us. You know, like <laughs> like like Poppy Family. I love them to bits, but like we've now talked about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what to I do mean? A whole, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we can do a whole episode. Like I, I wouldn't do a whole Poppy Family episode, but I mean Prince is. I mean, saying he's one of the greats is not a controversial opinion. Right? Controversy. Okay, now. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's get into Prince Paul. Woo! Uh, from Prince to Prince Paul. Yeah, from Prince to Prince Paul. So, Gabe, um a prince among thieves. What a this I had you ever Thank heard you. this? I'd never heard of it. What? <laughs> I've never heard of this. This feels like a Kyle record to I me. I know. I can't believe I never heard of it. <laughs> and you know what? Kyle, uh, one of the first episodes of Kick the Jukebox that I listened to was the Wu-Tang Clan one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there was like uh, skits at the beginning that I think you were definitely responsible for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, 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 where yeah, he was yeah, playing yeah. ODB. And I yeah. thought, I love hip-hop skits. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. And, <laughs> and I thought, man, so right after listening to that episode, I talked to Louie and I said, one of my very favorite albums ever of hip-hop history is Prince Paul's Prince Among Thieves. And it is a um, basically a slept on classic. Oh, a hundred percent. It's tier three. You know, when people yeah. are like, "Who's your favorite MCs?" You know, they're gonna <laughs> throw out the basics. You're gonna put on like one of those Andy Warhol like uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. small shirts with four biggies on it. Sure. Yeah, 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 and you're gonna be like, "It's the Brooklyn Way" or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, it's nonsense. This guy, Prince Paul, ha- is he is a bridge between. Um, so many eras yes, of hip-hop. Yes, totally. Starting with Stetsasonics. He was a DJ yep. when he was 10 years old. Yep. And then he went from that to, uh, you know, basically being the architect for De La Soul's right. sound. Yeah. He created the uh, the funny hip-hop skits. Right, 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 and right. And he also um, expanded the the sonic vocabulary of hip-hop with his sampling. And so, also uh, Three Feet High and, high and Rising uh, sort of not ruined sampling, but like made it like the album. <laughs> The era of the like, um, like where you could just sample thousands of samples that like they don't even know half of them. Like right. you know, yeah, it's like over. But then yeah. that's why that's like the last masterpiece of that era. I feel like. Yeah, he's the guy who he's the guy who did that. He's the one who made hip hop. Fu- he added humor to it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I think, he's like the progenitor of nerd. Uh, the nerd hip hop aesthetic. Sure, yeah, that's um, a, that's interesting. Uh, you know, I would argue. Yeah. That I don't think we need to get like too into this, but I would argue that hip hop's been nerdy since literally day one. You know, there's 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 Bismarcky eating boogers. Yeah, yeah, but you know. Um, uh, Marvel Comics references and Run DMC songs and um, a, a real, uh, you know, and, and Gabe and I are big comic book geeks, so we can talk about this for a little bit. A real, I think, uh, on Africa Mambata stuff, like a real, like, Silver Surfer, Fantastic Four, Jack Kirby aesthetic, you know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's that sci-fi vibe. And when I say nerdy, I think it's, um, uh, it, it felt maybe accessible to, like, uh, suburban or mm-hmm. outsider or like I'm yeah. out, I, I'm allowed to be the outcast. Right. Whereas yes. um, a lot of hip hop before that was like uh, unself aware uh, bravado. Right, right, Aside right. from maybe um, you know, Bismarcky definitely is like yeah. uh, he was always the jester of the group. Right, right. Yeah. To be like I'm gonna be both hard yes. but then I'm gonna laugh at myself being hard. Yes. Yes. And I'm gonna critique our entire view of what <laughs> yeah, it yeah. means to be so hyper masculine. Yeah, yeah, totally within the same song. Right, you know? totally. And Prince Paul's able to do that not only with the the lyrics uh, or the artist that he chooses to be the MCs, but also with 
you know, the the juxtaposition of the samples. Right. Totally. You know? Yes, absolutely. Musically, he's doing it while his MCs he's working with are, are working on that lyrically as well, yeah. so, which is so cool. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe we should just give uh, a quick overview because this I, album is... This album is a movie. It's a movie. <laughs> yeah. It's a movie. Um, yeah, Gabe, do you want to just yeah. give like a quick... So it's, it's a concept album, and it came out after Prince Paul. Uh, basically, he thought he was at the end of his career. Um, yeah, why Soul, do you think that? Was it because he was having he was on the outs with De La Soul? Yeah, De La Soul, who was like kind of big, but they were struggling to sort of gain. Um, except they they were struggling with their own self image, right? Because they were like, okay, we're like seen as this very white friendly, yeah, hippie, yeah, uh, hip hop group, and we want to also be seen as part of the culture. Mm-hmm. And they they wanted to step away from him as producer. So he's like, great, I lost De La Soul. Um, he was doing Grave Diggers. Yeah, yeah. Which Grave? we talked about on that episode, I think. Now, Grave Diggers. Yeah, we talked about Grave Diggers because Kyle loves Grave Diggers. The mm-hmm. genesis of, of horrorcore rap. Yes. Yes. Amazing stuff. And the RZA is part of it. And if you listen to the RZA, he basically learned all of his production techniques working with Prince Paul. And he took everything Prince Paul was work their collaborations, and ran with that and became it became the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. Yeah. So 36 Chambers came out before Gravediggers, but it was actually produced after right. uh, the Gravediggers stuff was produced. Yeah. Yeah. And the all the Wu-Tang Clan asked Prince Paul, "Hey man, you want to come and do this thing with us?" And he was like, "Nah, I'm working on my own project." <laughs> so he like did not get on the yeah. Wu-Tang train <laughs> right when it was taking off. Yeah. And, and he's a little different, I would say, than them uh, yeah. aesthetically, right? Yeah. Uh, because Wu-Tang, it's like, they're, it's actually a really similar approach in album building in that I think they both think very cinematically. Yeah. 36 Chambers is a kung fu movie. Right. Yeah. And uh, Prince Among Thieves is like a is like a semi comedic like you know street street film yeah but but it's it's definitely it's a meta commentary on the on the industry too the yeah industry the hip hop music industry at the time yep. yeah and, uh, so so you know, socioeconomic issues regarding being in the music industry uh, yeah. you know yeah and it's uh it feels a lot more it feels a little bit like a uh, pulp fiction it right. feels like it, it, yes. it feels like black exploitation yes. well. yes. it's 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 falling into all of these tropes mm-hmm. and it's um both it's lovingly parodying and making fun of <laughs> yeah. every trope in hip hop <laughs> yeah but it's being done by somebody who is who project who made it who created <laughs> that aesthetic right so you know and that's kind of like whenever i watch uh like a white guy like try to use like hip hop to like raise consciousness or <laughs> yes. do like a one man show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's like somebody Or you watch my hip hop improv team. <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm boy. Not, I'm not no shots fired at anybody uh, in this. Oh, <laughs> certainly I know I wasn't I was laying that on myself, you know. Yeah. But there's but there is that um is it from the community or is it from outside the community where this where this critique is coming from? And to have it come from somebody within yes. is like even so it's great. coming from a place of love as opposed to uh Yeah, and, and, a, and a place right. of growth totally. as well. Right. Yeah, and growth and change. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I I didn't even get to the to the uh, album yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Talk about the plot of the album, but so, that was yeah. great, Gabe. Yeah. I loved all that. Yeah. So this dude, uh, so Prince Paul, man, he gets a blank check to write an album for Tommy Boy, and he uh, creates the story of an up-and-coming underground rapper, uh, T- uh, Tariq. 
who needs to mm-hmm. uh, wait? Is it Tariq? Yes, Tariq. Yeah. yeah. So yep. Tariq, and uh, he needs a thousand dollars to finish producing his album to send to the Wu Tang, <laughs> so that mm-hmm. the RZA will, or rather, to produce his album. He needs like a, a thousand for a demo. Yeah. And uh, he is like the laziest uh, <laughs> man on the planet. <laughs> and he goes to his boy True, who is an old rapper who washed out and mm-hmm. like, yep. had to get a day job. Yeah. Uh, to try to get a thousand dollars. And True is actually a drug dealer. Yeah. And True says, "Yes, we can get you your money over four days, uh, but you need to like sell crack to do it." <laughs> and so it is Tariq's sort of morality tale journey through all of these different aspects of New York City in the late 90s uh, trying to like get this thousand dollars and um, yeah and the kooky characters he meets along the way Uh. kooky character and it is the best it is the most narratively well-structured hip-hop album I've ever heard yeah no Mm -hmm. one's done anything like this it's one of my favorite like narrative albums ever like you know you, you listen to like a rock opera and I mean it's just like give me a break I'd rather listen to this than Tommy yeah, kill me, oh, <laughs> sue me. Well, I mean, well, this. Uh, what I will give this is that it's more structurally sound than a lot of rock operas, yeah. including Tommy. L- like that start I by mean, you, start you, being plot driven and then and they go off, off the rails, or or you shit. have these yeah. like dumb progressive rock albums from the seventies where like yes. each, each instrument is a different character. Absolutely, and, like, like, yeah, yeah. This is like, and I feel like it, it's kind of crazy that this was never done before or since, really, in any meaningful way. Because, like, I feel like it fits the genre so well. And, like, also, this is, like, really good, like, 90s hip-hop. Whereas, also, (laughs) I'm going to controvert, like... You know, I have no interest in seeing Hamilton or. I was gonna, <laughs> I've been thinking about Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. All day. Let's put a this. let's put a pin in that. <laughs> I don't know, uh, yeah, we're not, going off. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, the rest. Of, okay, we got twenty minutes. Let's shit on Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I I want us to talk about this in respect to something like Hamilton. Yeah. But I also want people to be able to hear what we're talking about. You uh-huh. know. Yeah. So uh, I want to just hear a little bit of the other line, Do which it, is please. a track that uh, I want to talk about a little bit um so this features breezley bruin as Tariq, who plays Tariq throughout the entire album uh and he's the he's this the hero character and he's calling his girlfriend and sort of talking about why he's not going to be around for a few days and he needs her to call his work so he can get out of work that's right and uh she's played by a rapper named heroin yeah uh who i don't i couldn't I find know any, any information these. about her. i didn't know any do there, you know anything about know. her i feel like she's just a studio mc <laughs> yeah she was good Paul she's Ryan. good on the track though so let's listen to a little bit of it yeah. she's quite good on the track Girl, I know the dawn and clear skies. Yeah, they buy just to honor the persona of my boo. What are you smoking? Listen to this and the joke, and you're so funny. What happened? No money? What do you need? What do you mean? The corny compliments. You playing with my confidence. Fuck around and consequence me down. Watch it now, yo. I'm just like, hey, what's the deal? But you want some steady Well, then wait a minute, girl. This nigga got a call. Hello? Who this? It's Tyreek. Who this? That's Nisi. Where you at? He stepped out. Will you tell that worthless, pathetic, deadbeat uh, motherfucker? Yeah, yeah. That's what you said the last time. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yo, man, that just reminds me of being a stressed out teenager. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> <Power> ID. You <laughs> know, <laughs> cell phones and you're like trying to juggle conversation. You're like, okay, hold on, hold on. Yeah, it definitely mimics in a really smart, very like playful way the, uh, you know, the, the phone, the phone juggling. Yeah. Also like dealing with a romantic relationship that might be a little strained or difficult you know uh yeah and then something we didn't get to in this song that 
uh, I just love is that the chorus is a quote from a Paul McCartney song called Let Him In. Uh, that chorus that's, uh, you know, somebody ringing the phone, somebody ringing the bell yeah. or somebody on the phone. Yeah, that's a that's a McCartney quote, which is really nice. And I think there's another one. There's another McCartney quote on the record, too. Sure. And, uh, and you know. that's something that Prince Paul would do where he's like, well, yeah, I'm going to come. I'm going to uh, expand the genre. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I'm sorry. I know like, that you've got this thing that they're. You well, go. <laughs> well, just this is what I'm going to say is that I, I don't even feel like it's an expanding of the genre because I feel like specifically uh, producers like Prince Paul have this encyclopedic knowledge of every genre of music of all time. Mm. And it's just like they they just draw from. Uh, from every single source that they ever want and they kind of just repurpose stuff for their own needs in ways that's incredibly creative and we're just we're just s- stuck getting caught up trying to figure out what they're referencing at every moment of every song that's true you know yeah i i love but the tone of this as well i love that you could hear that sort of dusty popping mm. yeah the, the, the production on it's so warm it's so good yes yeah it felt like they were real records like he was using real records when yeah. he was recording this which he probably was yes yeah he probably was to get that sample yeah anything else about it it's great <laughs> good. I just want to make sure. Breezy uh, Bruins uh, t- style. Yes. He's like woozy Shakespearean uh, poet. He's such a poet. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not that. It's not Dr. Seuss. It's not Hickory Dickory Doc. No, it is, is not. He's very verbose. And he's also very um, like uh, like his flow is con- like I, I really like that where it's like it's not. He he can. Uh, it's very like malleable. I want to say like he can like juke and pivot to like fit what the song needs. And also, I just want to say I had never I've never heard of the two like True and uh, Tariq with Bree- Breezy Bruin and, uh, and uh, Shaw is Sha- the other guy. Yeah, I had never heard of them before. I don't I don't know what kind of career they had uh, after this. Shaw is very hard to find. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can't really find his stuff. He was part of Horror City, and they're called Horror City because they were from Amityville. Uh, and they yes, had, were in a demo, which is where Prince Paul is from too. What yeah. we should say, by the way, yeah, Amityville. So, that so was, sort of a. Sort of a small town yeah. existence, yeah. And he was trying to get them uh, signed, and it just never worked out. So, mm. you know, and part of this, too, is, like, he's putting on rappers that were getting no love. Right. Either because they were seen as too underground or, like, failing within the industry. The right. The industry wasn't giving them traction. Right. Which is Tariq and, uh, which is Breezy Bruin and uh, Shah. Mm. And most of the other guests that he has are rappers that were hot, like, two years before. Right. Or are part of that golden era that have been pushed aside by the next brand new shiny yes, toy. Yes, yes. But they all are such competent beasts. Yes. Like they're all f- still famous today in Europe. Actually, that's <laughs> yes. yeah, right. And that's so true. I didn't because I was like, oh, there are like such big na- there are big names on it like um I mean for for the industry there was uh it's like Della uh, Soul's cool, on Ke- it. cool Keith cool and Keith, um yep. uh what's his name? Big Daddy Kane and Chub Rock, but like yeah, this is 1999 like they're they were about 10 years out of date more or less but yeah. but they all had to their to their respective styles the, that early 90s style it's very narrative yeah. mm, and true. this was actually a period in hip hop that was veering slightly away from the narrative i would right. say more yeah. into like sort of like punchlines punchlines uh some stuff that's a little more club oriented mm-hmm. as well yeah and so this is definitely the pool of rappers to yeah. be um 
to be to be drawing from for a project like this that's you know that needs to be very understandable and very yeah. narrative and uh, that takes us to our next track in a really nice way let's do it because the sex track is called the men in blue and uh rapping as a police officer is everlast from house of pain <laughs> yes who's great on this track so. he really is so good <laughs> yeah yeah do you want to set us uh, set this up for us gabe oh, while i cue yeah. it up on my uh, Look, on my music machine this is the song that before this song i thought everlast was corny <laughs> i knew him from jump around yeah oh know? very corny yeah I fun fun but corny i was yeah. not I, I had no time or patience for whatever last was doing. <laughs> and then I heard this song and it made me reevaluate him and see him as a uh, as a as a technically proficient rapper yeah. with a great uh, voice and he just needed the right projects to work on. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, this is the song that made me think, oh like this is probably the best verse he's ever had. Probably. Um, yeah, it's career. a great it's great. Let's listen to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> I think I bought Whitey Ford. <laughs> you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be twisted around and used against you in a court of law. I'll make damn fucking sure of it. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, which you probably can't, one will be provided for you, you stupid, freaking moving on It's the bad lieutenant running up in your tenement, planting evidence on any black resident. All right, so fairly simple, right? Yeah. But it very, very, very effective, the right? Bad lieutenant. Yeah. Running up in your tenement. Yeah, which is killer. It's this good, and it, it like connects some really interesting dots, you know? Yeah. And and um deals with like relations with the police in a way that's actually like <laughs> playful yeah. and uh n not um it's certainly not sympathetic which it shouldn't <laughs> be but like you know this is this is a pretty uh typical hip-hop idiom but it's just explored really well in this song that the police are just another gang and really specifically on the I, streets yeah i yeah. love how the i can't remember the line exactly but he's like yeah like you like we work with the mafia. Like whose payroll do you like? Uh, he's like you know we don't. Yeah, like yeah we're we're crooked. But for those guys, like not not you. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, you, when you look at these things, like crime is not chaos. Mm. Crime is organized. Yeah. Crime is yeah. Uh, is a, it's a structured system to mm. get. Uh, illicit substances, you know, commodities <laughs> traded. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's everything that you can't get legally, no matter what it is. So, like, so it needs to be, there needs to be structure involved. Yeah, yeah. So the cops are basically taking drugs from people who are not on their, who are they're not affiliated with, and then redistributing them to <laughs> other people who they are affiliated with. Right. And, you know, in this, there, there's real historical precedence for this. It came out later, like the Rampart Division had their anti-gang unit in L.A., mm. and uh, those dudes were basically, they were just like the gangsters. Yeah. And so the cops were the gang in L.A. doing that, and you can watch a couple movies about that, but Training Day is sort of the fictitious take on that whole yeah, and there was that anti-gang task force in Baltimore that they cracked down on like three years ago that were like, yeah, they were selling drugs. Mm -hmm. They were like straight up selling drugs. Yeah. And uh, here in, uh, I think in Brooklyn, in, Bra in the Brownsville area, there's a new documentary out about called The Six Nine, I think. Or yeah, the, yeah, the, the, seven, uh, the seven, seven five, I think. Yeah, it's, yeah that's it's, so good. And that dude was just a cop in the 70s, and he talks about how how uh, the war on drugs really incentivized all of these cops who were, weren't making very much money. Right. And not to be sympathetic towards them, but you see that it uh, everyone be starts playing their part. Right. You know, and uh, for Everlast to do this, too, you know, I mean, he's a white rapper. Yeah. And he is 
like already in a very tenuous position within the culture. Right, 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 right. Well, well said, Gabe. <laughs> yeah. You know, so Something that should be said about more white rappers all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's really got to watch what he's saying and he really wants to be accepted. He's not outside of that community. This is before the internet where you could just have like a like a white nationalist uh, <laughs> audience for right, 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 right. So right. I'm sure he really had to sit with Prince Paul and be like, "What you want me to do? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. From the point of view of the cops, is that going to be okay? Right. And like these guys didn't hear the rest of the album; they just heard the parts they were supposed to play. Huh, interesting. And uh, in some ways, this reminds me of like early punk rock, where like the Dead Kennedys, <laughs> this tradition in punk rock, where you know you might uh, sing the lyrics of the song from the point of view of the oppressor. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And in an ironic way or a way to like help, uh, you know, it is disturbing. Yeah, right, right. Because he's like dropping end bombs in there. <laughs> yeah, 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 oh, yeah. He's yeah. a racist cop. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, well, yeah. if he honestly, it would be way <laughs> more problematic if he wasn't a racist <laughs> cop on the track. Do you know what I mean by yeah. that? Like, this is so much about what the record's about, what the entire album Yeah, imagine album's if they about. were like promoting this and they just released <laughs> this as the first single. Like, they were like, yeah, like, check it out. This, this album's going to be awesome. Blue Lives Matter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is the Blue Lives, the first Blue Lives Let's Matter search. album. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I j there's oh, just something I just want to say. I want to backtrack slightly, comparing this to punk. You know, I've always said this over. This is what I say all the time: is I feel like punk and hip hop are basically just two sides of the same coin, and it's yeah. it's actually the same musical strategies and idioms employed a lot of connective by, tissue yeah yeah just by two different communities mm. you know um yeah and of course like beyond there just being a lot of crossover it's more that i think that the intent and the directness is like almost exactly the same and i think it's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I, I i like both genres so much you know yeah yeah, that's right. And this song even it has that rocky groove to it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's it got does. Those guitars. It's uh, it it is a punk song as much as it's a rock song, as much as it's a hip hop. Yeah, and track. a lot of hip hop stuff is, um, I would say, better rock than a lot of rock is. <laughs> that's <laughs> my opinion, at least. So we're coming close to sort of the end of our broadcasting day here on KPIS.FM, the Golden Stream, uh, and I actually have a question for you, Gabe. I it's a twofold question. Question yeah. one is, what do you think the legacy of this album is? This is a, a little less of a popular album than other things that we've explored on the show. I'm shocked how little known <laughs> it is. I'm yeah. shocked. So I'd, I'd love to know that, what you think the legacy is, and what's the legacy for you personally? You're a comedian. You're an artist. This album seems to have had a huge influence on you and your work, right? Absolutely. Would you say so? So let's talk about that a little bit. Well, like I look at Prince Paul as a real role model in a lot of ways as an yeah. artist. And one is like, I'll watch videos of him now being interviewed and he is in his early fifties and he looks like 20 years old. <laughs> and, and part of that is he's maintained his sense of humor mm -hmm. throughout his life and his sense of playfulness. And I think for anybody out there, that's kind of what you need to be, what you need to do is if you want to, you know keep harvesting your life force like, <laughs> yeah stay stay positive stay funny stay humorous mm. he's also not uh, surround yourself with people you love surround yourself yeah. with people you love Com which i'm doing right now baby mm. this album is him showing love to so yeah. many other artists it's not yes. just about him and when we look at like prince and uh, purple rain that film is kind of like this album yes you know, uh, prince among thieves and it's funny that we 
Prince and Prince and Prince Paul and <laughs> Prince Among Thieves yeah. are all part of the synchronicities today. It's yeah. all Prince! But <laughs> yeah, this is his baby, but he is giving other people an opportunity to be his Morris Days and his Jeromes on totally. this album. Also, as a story pirate, the idea of uh, having a, a, a piece of work that is narrative, mm. that uh, is a cohesive universe that, that, that's been built. And uh, when I make albums or, and as I move forward with my work, I want everything I do to kind of have this uh, totality to, to it in the way that I, I strive to achieve what Prince Paul is doing on this album. Yeah, what's going on with the world building and does it hold up? And the world, bounding, the world building on this is very solid and the structure of it is really, really yeah. gorgeous and excellent. He yeah. wanted to make a movie and yes. there's a nine-minute music video. Yeah, I saw <laughs> some of it. Yeah, it, it's incredible. <laughs> and it's so funny because I, I was w reading something else about it and that's why... Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's so funny because what Prince Paul was saying, talk about having a sense of humor. So... This was an era, a weird era, like at the late 90s, early 2000s, where hip-hop record labels were putting out these garbage movies. Yes. And, like, yeah. <laughs> like uh, he, he was inspired because uh, Master P uh, put out I'm About It, yes. which is this movie shot for, like, $40 with no <laughs> plot. And I guess it was successful. And I, in high school, I used to watch a lot of these movies. Uh, there was... State the, property? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there was Shadas, which was, like, the Jamaican one. I've seen Yeah, that. and yeah. then there was... Uh, I'd like to have a festival of yeah, these. Yeah, the... Um, uh, the cash money like early cash money like juvenile hot boys they put one out and then uh, we were talking about the show uh, Dipset um, with uh, Joel Santana Jim Jones and uh, Cameron all those people made this movie kill a season and uh, oh, oh my god in high school I got high and watched that movie too many times it's nonsense <laughs> it's nonsense but yeah what I read it was like uh, Prince Paul was like just to the label like just let me make this movie it's gonna be like you can spend like three thousand dollars on it we'll make money and you know yeah everybody's looking for work they all yeah, yeah, love yeah. to work put chub rock in a movie yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah seriously yeah and and i think chris chris rock owned the rights to this yeah. for a while but he didn't do anything with it he was on it he plays He's the uh, on crackhead it. and yeah. he he claims that prince paul's work inspired him to be a comedian wow which is really cool yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah, and, and the comedy sketches that Prince Paul employs—they're pretty good. Yeah. You know, some of them are a little long, some of them are a little loose. <laughs> but I think, but as you know, far I, as I could, I'd accuse Kick the Jukebox comedy sketches of being the same. So <laughs> that it's fine. Fair. You know, that's yeah. fair. <laughs> but but as far as hip hop uh, uh, skits go, like these are like Oscar worthy. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, these are very yeah, good yeah. comparatively yeah, to a lot yeah, of yeah. other. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's let's end it off. Uh, let's let's play through all of this uh, for our listeners. Can I just say something oh, really quickly? Yeah, of course, Kyle. Very I'm sorry. quickly. Yeah. My favorite uh, character. He doesn't get a lot of time. Uh, Officer Bitchkowski. <laughs> <laughs> very important. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna listen to this. Is we think this is the best track from the album. It's yeah. the more you know. Uh, with De La Soul guest, guesting on it. Uh, any any little parting things you want to say about this track before we listen to it? It's well, it's it's a banger. It's so uh, good. De La, the, uh, they're lyrically some of the best craftsmen when it comes to hip-hop. Yes. And you're going to hear extended metaphor after extended metaphor after extended metaphor from airplanes to baseball to lovers on oh, this track. I love it. Woo! Oh, Okay. All right. 
everybody jukeheads thanks for tuning in uh yeah uh follow us on social media thanks to gabe pacheco who's been an amazing very knowledgeable smart and um brilliant guest for kick the jukebox smart and brilliant yes knowledgeable smart and brilliant guest dude happy to be here thank you i'm a long time listener and fan of the show oh gabe we love you you very much thank you yeah and you know uh Connect with us on social media. Let us know if there's any albums you want us to cover. Here is The More You Know by Prince Paul. It is hard. I'd like to return to the I heard the word from word of mouth that you were into booking flights. My travel agent took a trip up north and I need to book a flight tonight. I enjoyed the getting away from day to day stress, so I need to leave soon. If that's the case, I have no space, but for later I'll be sure to leave. Nah, nah, that's not going Kick the jukebox, it's so much fun. Kyle and Louie are number one. Kick the jukebox, kick it around. Talking about music all the time.